0: This is the best, most fun I have ever, ever, ever had on a podcast. This is a hit.
1: I'm Jesse Cole, your host of Business Done Differently, where we get to meet successful people who look at business differently and we get to know them in a different way. Our guest today is Larry Wingett. Larry is known as the pit bull of personal development, and you'll hear it come out in the show. He's a six-time New York Times best-selling author with book titles including What's Wrong with Damn Near Everything, Shut Up, Stop Whining, and Get a Life, and Grow a Pair. He's also a part of the Speaker Hall of Fame and a TV personality. He doesn't hold back at all in life and definitely not on this show. So here it is, the most entertaining business done differently with Larry Winget. Excited to have Larry Wingate on the Business Done Differently podcast. Larry, we're going to open it up with, I think, one that'll fit you well. It is called Gratitude Attitude. Thank you. So what I'd love to know is what you're grateful for right now, but you need to say it in a very upset, pissed off way.
0: Well, in other words, just like I normally talk? Exactly. (laughs) Because I'm probably pretty much uh, the only guest you're ever going to have who seems to be always upset and pissed off (laughs) about something. That's been the key to my success. What I'm grateful for is that I've got the cojones to say what pisses me off as opposed to most of the people in the world. And I am grateful for parents who a long time ago who taught me to have values that said, when you see something wrong, speak up about it. And when you feel strongly
1: about something, speak up about it, never apologize for it. So I'm grateful for that. I love it. and That actually was your exact tone that everyone's used to. So you didn't have, the first person that did (laughs) not have to change on gratitude attitude, which I love. That's outstanding, Larry. So, So moving on with that, I'm going to a new segment. This is called Positively Pissed Off. And you've said this, I've watched some of your videos, you say, it's not about being a positive, It's about getting pissed off every single day. So right now, Larry, what's pissing you off?
0: You know, what pisses me off right now is um, the fact that we've gotten to this place and we're, listen, I I wrote six New York Times, Wall Street Journal bestsellers, and the way I write a book is I figure out what pisses me off, and then that's what I write about. And uh, what's pissing me off right now, and it's the, the core of my new book, What's Wrong with Damn Near Everything, is that people have had their core values just collapse and that's why we're facing all the issues that we've got right now. When I turn on any television news or when I pick up any newspaper or magazine and I see all the stupidity that's going on in the world, and people say, well, why is it this way? It's because we don't have core values of honesty and integrity. We don't do the right thing. We're doing the convenient thing and what serves us best and what is, instead of what serves others best and adds the most value to their lives. And yet that's where success comes from. And so when I look at what's wrong and what people whine about and everything that they bitch and piss and moan about, oh, my God, folks, really, Go back to the core values of honesty, integrity, work ethic, self-reliance. That'll get us through
1: all that entitlement BS that's everywhere right now. And that's when we'll start to see things turn around. Well, you see this. So a lot of businesses that so they have their, their core beliefs, their core values, and they're setting it up. So it's being set up, but is it just not working or are not enough businesses really setting up the correct core values?
0: I I think core values in most businesses is nothing but lip service. Uh, You hear all these companies say that our customers really matter to us. In fact, find a business that that won't say that. They all say our customers really matter to us. Well, then why don't you treat us like that? Why don't you show up on time when you set an appointment to be at my house at 10 o'clock? That doesn't mean 10.15. It doesn't mean 10.30. It doesn't mean 11 o'clock and show up and go, well, I got hung up on my last appointment. Did you just now figure that out? You know, so don't tell me that I'm important to you as a business, and they'll all say that. They all have these ridiculous mission statements, but they don't live it. You know, words are not enough. You've got to live it every single day in the way you carry out, the way you provide service and in your products and so forth. And in the way you train your employees and in the way your employees then treat each other talk about their competitors and treat their customers.
1: So it's almost Larry like reversing it. So for instance where everyone, you know, these corporate leaders, these presidents, these business owners saying, here's going to be our core values because these words sound great. It's almost like do your business and let your customers come up with their core values.
0: You know, that's what branding really is. There are all these idiots out there as a branding experts saying, we're going to help you develop your brand. You're already and you have a brand. Your brand is what your customers say about you uh, behind your back. Your brand is what everybody says about you when you don't have any clue. You have a brand, and they will identify your core values. They will identify your mission statement. Everybody already has one based on their actions. And then the problem with most businesses is they set the leaders sit around and and set these lofty goals and make these ridiculous statements, and then they try to cram them down the employees' throats. That doesn't work. We've seen how that doesn't work, and that's because they've tried to, to make bad people into good employees. We should be hiring people who are good people. I can teach an orangutan how to do most things that employees do. And I know people find that really
1: offensive, but I don't give a damn. Um, (laughs) We we know you don't, Larry. That's definitely evident. (laughs)
0: Yeah, and that's the truth. We've Uh, got to stop caring so much about what people think. We've got a world that wakes up every day trying to be offended, looking for things to be offended about. We live in the butthurt states of America. And, And so I won't play. Into that no, The truth right. is, I can teach most people what they need to know to do their job, but I can't teach people. At least, I don't have time to teach adults how to be good people. But if you give me a good person who's honest, has a work ethic, uh, is willing to take responsibility, I can teach them almost anything.
1: No, I, I love it. I love it. I, I, we could go on this for a while, but I want to. I want to keep moving because I think you know. You, you talk about right there. Like everyone wakes up and they don't want to get offended. And when you're yourself and you talk about that, that's a motivation guru say, you know, it's not just about being yourself, but you're being yourself. And you don't worry. You don't give a crap what anybody says about you. And if everyone went about doing that way, we probably would be a lot happier. Would you agree? Well, we'd certainly
0: be happier. You know, you mentioned the motivational bozos out there. They all say just be yourself. You know, and I I heard Oprah say one time, the key to happiness, be yourself. Well, what if you're stupid? Or, Or what if you're an asshole? Or what if you're a stupid asshole? Why don't you be somebody else? Be the kind of person that others should look up to and should show respect to. That's what it really comes down to.
1: Love that. That's great. Excellent. Alright, we're going to move on to another segment which is brand new for you because you talk about hunger and being hungry a lot. So we're doing the Hunger Games. I volunteer as tribute. Um, and basically what I'm looking for you from Larry is if you were on the Hunger Games, what would drive you to success? What inside you makes you hungry? And then I want to elaborate on that. How, how can you teach hunger because it's, I'm, it's very difficult for most companies. So first you, what makes you hungry? How would you survive in the Hunger Games?
0: Well, I'm the most hedonistic person of all. I am uh, a person who really is out for me. And what I realize makes me happiest is me doing my best. Now, here's the, the funny thing about that. And people go, oh, what a jerk you must be that you say you're in it for you and looking out for number one. I know that if my goal is to be the very best I can be every single day, that I will bring excellence to the marketplace. And if I serve others through that excellence, that's how I take care of me. So what keeps me hungry every single day is I want to be as smart as I can possibly be. I want to read as much as I can, experience as much as I possibly can. I, I, I'm hungry for knowledge. In the last 35 years, I've read over 5,000 books. I don't know anybody's read as many books as I have. And, and so I'm always on that quest. So I do it because it makes me feel better about myself knowing that That if I do that for myself, it will serve others better.
1: But you have so many people that are like that. Like, you know, I read two books a week. I'm obsessed with it and learning and getting better. And there's lots of people that are those high achievers that do that. But if you look, most people aren't doing that. My question to you coming off this is can you teach hunger? Like, for instance, if you're in the Hunger Games, are you just going to survive and everyone else isn't? Or can you actually teach other people to be hungry? I don't think you can.
0: I think we have a lot of employers out there wasting their time with people who uh, are never going to be achievers. We try to turn losers into achievers, and I just don't think you can do that. I think, you know, there's that old line, and it's one of the very few things i I do agree with from those old motivational lines, that all motivation comes from within. So I don't think I can put enough external forces on somebody for long enough. I do believe that consequences drive behavior and I can impose some negative consequences, but I don't think that I can really impose even enough negative consequences to turn somebody around. People ultimately do whatever they damn well want to do. That's the truth. And so the key is to surround yourself, especially if you're in a hiring process, surround yourself with people. People who really from the inside out want to be good, want to be better, want to do a good job, want to be the right kind of people. We can't instill that in other folks and I think the challenge for leaders is to hire that way and look at the, the existing workforce that you have and realize that you've got 20% of your workforce who's never going to be any good simply not because they can't, they just don't want
1: to. Mm-hmm. No, a hundred percent. And and you said, you know, that's the truth and you went into you talk about truth a lot and I think that's you keep giving me Larry these fantastic segues, which I which I love. You you know exactly what's coming, but this is truth and dare.
0: Just do
1: it And the key word is and. Which one would you like to do first?
0: Uh, I'll take a dare. <laughs> okay, I've stayed. You knew I would. You, you could probably tell. I'm of course, would would walk away from a dare. Hey, the
1: fact that you have a drink in your hand and a cigar, why wouldn't you take a dare? All right, it's, we're gonna roll with this. And I've done the same dare for everyone because it's very intriguing. Give me one celebrity impersonation. Someone that you want to impersonate that you think you could do the best.
0: Well, I tell you, it's uh, it come from Oklahoma. It's easy to. Imitate somebody who comes from Arkansas, and, and I swear I did not have sex with that woman.
1: <laughs> Our first, Bill Clinton. That was actually impressive. I think you really killed it at the end too, with the fade off of his his uh, sound. That was great. Um, I don't need to answer this next question as the truth. Um, <laughs> if you answer this as Bill Clinton, that would be really interesting. Uh, what's holding you back today?
0: Well, the only thing holding me back would be me. <laughs> Uh, Really, the only thing holding me back would be me. I think that's the only thing that really holds anybody back is your own belief and your self-limitation. And when you get that out of the way, I think you can do pretty much whatever you damn well set your mind to, if you're willing to work hard enough to make that happen. Most people, again, that goes back to the difference in lip service and the difference in action. Everybody says they'll do whatever it takes until they're actually faced with doing it. Mm -hmm. And then they go, "Mm, I didn't really mean that. I'll do everything but that. How about that? Let's do everything but that. That's not how it
1: works. (laughs) 100%. Well, and Larry, I mean, I think obviously hearing you on stage, you know, reading your books, you seem like this unbelievably fearless person that you're not afraid of anything. I want to challenge that, and we've never done this segment either, with Fear Factor. Are there any things that actually scare you and hold you back? Is there anything out there?
0: Clowns. <laughs> Clowns? Yeah. No kidding. Pennywise, if I had an audience with one Pennywise standing at the back, forget it. I'd, I'd crawl off stage like a whining little girl. I really would. I hate clowns. Now, to seriously answer your question, you know, I I just always figured, why not me? Uh, And when I look at what I wanted in life and I said, well, look at what they can do. And I just always said to myself, why not me? And and I also realized this. Nothing I was ever really willing to try to do was going to kill me. Asking for the sale. Nobody ever died asking for the sale. It just doesn't happen. Uh, nobody ever died standing on stage, uh, uh, pretty much, uh, and saying what you really believe. And, you know, here's what I've discovered. People don't listen to what you have to say. They don't even believe what you have to say. But they always listen to see if you believe what you have to say. Mm-hmm. And so I say what I really believe. And, and I'm not going to die from, from doing that. I get my share of death threats, believe me, and that's the truth. <laughs> but uh, I just know that the downside is really never that severe. So why not me and why not try?
1: I love it. You know, one of my fears, and I I find this a lot sometimes with people that are trying to be achievers, is I have a big fear of settling, of not achieving more, of settling with life. Have you ever had a similar fear or things that you're like, you know what, maybe I'm not pushing myself as much?
0: Well, I tell you, as, as I've gotten older, I've let that feeling go away. Okay. There's a lot of things that I could do. There's just also a whole lot of things I'm no longer willing to do, <laughs> simply because I think priorities shift as you age and mature. And not, It's not always a function of aging, but a function of maturity. Some of the things that seem vitally important to you at uh, 20 aren't near as important at 30 and uh, certainly aren't very important at 40, and at 60, they don't matter at all. Uh Uh, So I think that maturity uh, does bring around a shift in some of those things. But I'm not worried about settling at this point. I've done pretty well, and I still have things that I am eager to do every morning when I wake up and I do those things, I still have that internal quest for excellence, knowing that the better I am, the better I can serve others, and the better they'll serve me.
1: That's kind of what keeps me going. Mm -hmm. And they say later on in life, one of the biggest fears is regret. It's regret of things you haven't done. (laughs) Larry, you've done a lot. I just posted this week, said regret is the saddest emotion of all. 100%. It is. I couldn't agree more. All right. Now, Larry, we're going to move into a section which I'm actually excited about because it's probably the easiest section I could ever do with you. It's called debatable. Wrong. And usually I have to kind of twist and find this. Like with Joe Calloway, it was the same way. But with you, I think there's a lot of things to potentially (laughs) debate. So the first subject I want to go with is selfish versus selflessness. You've said numerous times you've got to be selfish. And I want to challenge you on that. Why do you believe you got to be selfish and a lot of them say if you're giving back to other people that's how you really become successful. The secret to living is giving. You're saying take care of yourself.
0: Well, I don't think you're any good for anybody else till you're first good for yourself. I can't be totally selfless and operate at my highest level of achievement. I just can't do that. I can't wake up every morning and focus on my own personal excellence, which I know ultimately serves other other people better. Uh, And uh, that's my approach, is that when I take care of myself and I make sure that I am selfish to the point that Physically I'm at my best, mentally I'm at my best, psychologically I'm at my best, that's how I best serve others. But if I put them first, especially their feelings first, which is stupid stupid we become this in society that lives based on feelings does everybody feel okay about this is everybody happy with me that's ridiculous and that's the fastest path to uh, disappointment and failure in my opinion
1: actually I, I can't debate with you because it's something that you find if you don't get yourself in a good place you can't do anything out for other people and like your health like for instance a lot of people talk about their mornings you know for instance for me you know I run I read I write I get myself in a good place then I can take yep. care of other people. So that comes first. I will not debate you with on that. I'm agreeing. So you got to be selfish first to potentially be selfless later. Would you say that? Nope. No. All right. So we're you
0: got to be selfish first, uh, first in order to provide the most value. Okay.
1: So so do you not do you not believe in being selfless at all? That's right. Okay. All right. No, and I get that. So, but providing value is a form of selflessness.
0: Um. I guess you could word it that way. I do believe that we're all rewarded based on the value we bring to the market. Okay. And that's got to be your goal, how much value you bring. You can look at your paycheck, you know, Jim Rohn, who was my true mentor said, people make $5 an hour because they provide $5 worth of service and it takes them an hour to do it. And people who make $5,000 an hour provide $5,000 worth of service and it takes them an hour to do it. The difference is not the hour, the difference is the amount of service you
1: put in that hour and so I focus on value and so that's what it's always going to come down to with me so how can you provide more value in a given day and then everything else will be a byproduct
0: there you go
1: beautiful alright now this one's debatable love in the workplace and I know you're strong against this you've said leave the emotions the love the passion for your family it's not for business business is about providing value my question to you can love exist in the workplace
0: sure it can Sure it can. Uh, You know, I have, for nearly 25 years, traveled 200 to 250 days a year. And and that's the travel it takes for me to do 75 hours to 100 hours standing on stage. I love the 75 to 100 hours on stage. I really do. I love it. And I hate almost everything that has to do with 250 days of travel. (laughs) But I love the time on stage enough to put up with the travel. So I do think you can love, but I think to set out to love what you do, I, I think there are too many failed entrepreneurs that say, I want to do this because I love it so much. Okay. And what they did was they kept the work ethic out, they left the learning out, the how to hire, fire, read a balance sheet, serve people well, uh, how to manage people. They left all of that out and believe me, there's nothing fun about any of that stuff. That's work. And if you love it, you're insane in my opinion. No,
1: I, I'm with you. I'm with you. All right. All right. That so was you can't the, debate me? Come on. Well, well you know, I, I, I think it's interesting because I think we now with our team and Fans First Entertainment, our baseball team, Savannah Bananas, we use the word love. We're all, we have millennials, 23 to 27 years old, and we treat each other like a family, but we work hard. We provide value, but we care about each other. And does that... That's make,
0: fine. Yeah, but, I have no issues with,
1: with any, any of those things. things. But, it, but to answer, it, it can hold us back because the reality is I think sometimes we may not hold each other as accountable because we maybe don't want to hurt each other's feelings because we care so much about each other and each other's feelings. So there is a balance, but I will tell you this, when you build that type of culture, it's amazing what people will do. And no longer are there hours in the day. I mean, we work forever, I mean, until two o'clock in the morning on game nights. And it's about that experience and taking care of the fans and taking care of each other. So I think there is a balance. I do think a lot of people are scared to say love in the workplace And I think it's okay to be said, but you're right. It needs to balance value, work, the effort, what's doing. And you can't carry too much about feelings. But if the feelings exist, then I think it's okay. So that would be – no, I debate. We don't disagree. All right. So debatable, we both lost on that one. (laughs) There was no debate. But here's where we might have some fun. You have a very strong Twitter game, Larry. I'm, I'm actually tremendously impressed with the amount of quotes and tweets that you put out. uh, I'm nervous now that it's gone up to more characters, you may be putting even more out, but I want you to explain one of your tweets, actually a few of them. You wrote, I recently saw a meme that said a person with a dream and a vision is more powerful than a person with facts and budget. You can decide if that is true for you, but I know the dreamers will be bankrupt and out of business in less time.
0: Yep, that's (laughs) absolutely true. <laughs> the trouble is, we have so many people who have a dream, and dreams don't come true. Plans come true. Give me someone with a plan. And some facts and figures that they've done the research on the marketplace, whether there's a need, uh, whether there's uh, uh, potential customers out there, what the profitability is going to be, what the cost of goods sold is going to be. Those are the things that matter. I'm not going to invest
1: in a dream. I'll invest in a plan. So I'll stand by my statement so, for sure. So 100%. I don't think you need to defend these. These are great statements. My question to you is can you start with a dream and then create a plan? Is, is that okay in your mind?
0: <clears throat> Absolutely. All right. I think you can start with a dream. But as I said, the dream won't come true without the plan. Mm-hmm. And we have way to, I think that's why we have such a huge failure rate in, among entre- entrepreneurs right now is that they started with the dream and it ended with the dream and their dream became a nightmare. because they never did the research, they never read the books, they never went to the seminars, they never found a mentor, they never did any of the things that were necessary in order to build a plan to make sure that the dream could then come into
1: 100% and especially the people that plan like or their dream is I'm going to be a millionaire which again is <laughs> is a whole different view of things but I want to be a millionaire it's about money and then uh, that's not it's not even that's a dream and there's no plan and why do you want to be a millionaire and once you become a millionaire it doesn't even matter so I think <laughs> I think the plans are so important and I don't think the plan should be about, about money I mean I don't know if, if you've ever in your life in all the accomplishments that you've had have anything been about planning to make more money?
0: Nope. I always try to build my plans around solving a problem. And I know that the the bigger the problem I solve, the more money I will ultimately make. Mm -hmm. And so I, I think that's one of the great gifts right now is that, uh, I know it has been for me, is that I have the ability to recognize problems that people are dealing with. And when people have the the ability to recognize other problems and face it, there are a whole lot of problems in the world. I dedicated <laughs> one of my books to all the idiots in the world, because without them, I'd be out of business. And <laughs> all of us would if we're in this industry that you and I are in right now. Yeah, uh, and, and because when those people know everything, uh, then they don't need us. No,
1: 100%. But
0: We're very fortunate right now, because you and I focus on a problem that exists in the marketplace, and if we Will be rewarded in direct proportion to whether we solve that and how big a problem we solve.
1: Mm-hmm. And, you know, in, in my book that's coming out in January, I start the main point to starting an innovation is what upsets you about a business, what upsets you about an industry, what pisses you off, what frustrates you, and that's how you create. And that's for us why we created not a baseball game but more of a circus and entertainment. And that's why Uber and Netflix—they find that problem. And it's interesting. I think people need to start looking more. What's the problem they can solve? That's the starting point. And money is a byproduct. It's a complete byproduct. And a lot of people are focusing on money too much. I mean, are you seeing that with the people you work with? It's still, I want to be a million dollar, multi billion dollar company. Do you still see leaders doing that? Yeah, I really do. Especially uh, the younger ones. Yeah, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. All right, beautiful. La- la- last tweet I want to go into, we we'll move on is you wrote, putting up with it is the same as endorsing it. I love that. Can you explain that?
0: I think uh, what you're willing to tolerate, you're condoning. Mm -hmm. And uh, I always ask people, uh, do you uh, uh, condone bad customer service? Who would say yes to that? (laughs) Nobody condones bad service. But why do you put up with it? Mm Mm-hmm. Why don't you speak up? Why don't you ask for a manager? Why don't you say something about it? Why don't you take your business elsewhere? When I see the number of businesses that are famous for giving bad service who are still in business simply because the people don't have the guts to say something about it or to take their business elsewhere, it's amazing to me. When I see uh, kids who are horrible, horrible, that's because that kid has been rewarded for being horrible. Why do we put up with bad behavior from other people? Why do we have employees who are willing to show up late, day after day after day? We put up with that when in essence means we condone their being disrespectful to the job, to me, their employer,
1: and to their coworkers. hundred percent. It's almost like a kid who's having a temper tantrum and you give them candy because that'll make them better. You know, so you're condoning that. Here, what's reward you for having temper tantrums? It's, it's, well, that is a
0: consequence, you see. Yeah. And consequence doesn't automatically mean something negative. Yeah. Uh, consequences drive behavior. And the consequence of that bad behavior was they got rewarded. Yeah. And that reward was the consequence. And that means we're going to see more and more and more of that behavior. Your what condo- gets rewarded
1: gets done. Exactly. Behavior
0: rewarded will be repeated.
1: So the this employee that shows up late repeatedly and you don't do anything about it, that's almost rewarded. <clears throat>
0: yep. Yeah. Yeah. And you have condoned it. And, and the deal is, we say, well, we're just going to let it slide this time. No, you can't let it slide this
1: time. Can't ever let anything slide. Right. Speak up. I love it. Accountability. All right, we're going to go into a game right now. Uh, let's see how you do it. It's Business Jeopardy, but it's called Grow a Pair Edition. All right, after your book. <laughs> so, but first, before I get into that, you listed some amazing people that you believe have a pair Jackie Robinson, Elvis, Rocky, Ronald Reagan, John Wayne, Dirty Harry. Who are some people now, you know, you know, it's a few years before that book, right now, who are some people that you've seen that are growing a pair, or that have a pair in our industry? In our industry? Well, from a business standpoint, from business people? You know, uh, let, let's get political. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> now we're in trouble. We just lost half our listeners, but go on.
0: Uh, I know we did. <laughs> you know, like him or not, Trump has a pair. All right. He does, and I don't care whether you like his politics or not, and I don't want to talk about his politics. Yeah. Uh, I think he had a pair. I think he has a, and maybe it's the wrong pair or whatever, but <laughs> damn, uh, how could he say the things that he said and did when he was running if he didn't have a pair? 100%. I think that's a guy with a pair. Nice. Maybe it's a misplaced pair, but still, he's got a pair. Yeah. I think that there are some uh, people out there in business. I think uh, uh, Bezos that runs Amazon, I think that's a guy with a pair.
1: Yeah, a hundred percent. People that are just taking taking chances, and you you don't see that as much anymore.
0: Well, it's not just taking chances and being. I mean, you can afford to take a chance when you're a multi zillionaire and you run an Amazon. Sure. You can afford to take a chance. Yep. Uh, what I like seeing, and I think the real heroes and the people I, who I work with, it's the small business guy who says, you know, let's just try something a little different
1: this time. Yeah. Yep.
0: And and I think those are the guys, sort of the unsung heroes of businesses right now. I love the guy that's got 10 employees and say, you know, we're going to do it different. Yep. And they go out there and, and they try it. And because they're small, they're a little more nimble and they can react quicker if it doesn't work, and, and uh, they can capitalize on it faster if it does work. I think those
1: are the people that I admire the most. Not the big guys. I like the little guys. <laughs> you know, I love that, Larry, but I think the key is you can't just do it once. You know, for instance, two years ago, my wife and I, we had to sell our house. We had to empty out our savings account. We had to buy a fixer-upper and go all in to save the team in Savannah. We put everything into it, and fortunately, it worked out amazing, and we've grown, but that was two years ago, and I think you need to continue to be willing to do that you can't just have a pair once in your life and i question that a little bit are we taking enough chances Uh, because a lot of people can make that one big move and they still got a lot more work to do they're just getting started
0: i think the biggest enemy of success is success yeah 100 percent. so yeah i I agree with you you can't become complacent yes you got to push yourself all the time Mm -hmm. and if it makes you kind of uh, pucker up just a little bit, that's probably a good sign. You ought to go try it.
1: Exactly. So so we were supposed to start uh, Grow A Pair Business Jeopardy, so now we'll officially start. That was a great uh, opening, though. I think uh, that, that's outstanding. Um, so here's, here's the way it's going to work. I'm going to say uh, uh, an answer. You have to answer in a question, and it's all about Grow A Pair, so people that have either taken chances in business or in life. And I'm going to give you five different uh, uh, categories. And basically, you're going to choose the category and give a wager, Larry. And whatever dollar you wager, if you lose, don't worry. We'll take it. You ready? <laughs> <laughs> so the first one is in, uh, you can do stunts, Guinness World Records, pop culture business, big business, or a business mogul. Which one do you like to do first? Let's do pop culture, culture business. business. All right. In 2001, this music company was out of money they had to defer salaries for 50 of their employees, totaling over $1.5 million, and the founder maxed out 11 credit cards to keep it going. Damn,
0: you got me. I lost. <laughs> did you even make a wager? I did not, so I didn't lose much. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I lost you there. It's What is Pandora, the Pandora Radio.
0: So, oh, there you go.
1: Yeah. So they're very well-known now. You've got to
0: remember out. I'm an old
1: guy. I, I know. <laughs> All right. These ones are better. Guinness World Records, stunts, big business, and one of these are in your book, so you know the answer. And, then the, and another one's business mogul. <clears throat> Let's do uh, stunts for a hundred, Alex. A hundred. Okay. This stuntman sold over 100,000 tickets to the Houston Astrodome as he jumped over 19 cars. <laughs> Who's evil, Knievel? That was easy one. Hundred bucks back at you. Uh, the check's in the mail. All right, next one. Guinness World Records: bi- Big business or business mogul? Let's do uh, Guinness World Records for a hundred. All right. This is the longest a person survived being buried alive. How many days? Um. What is 28 days? Wow, that's amazing. But you have lost your $100 back. It's 10 days. A man in the Czech Republic stayed buried alive with just a breathing tube in 10 days. This is the Grow a Pair edition, as you can remember. All right. Last two. Big business or business mogul? One of them you, know, you already know. It's in your book. Uh, 100 for business mogul. All right. <clears throat> this business mogul... Jumped off the skyscraper, a skyscraper dressed as Spider-Man. Jumped off the Palms Casino, and is the oldest person to kite surf the English Channel.
0: Well, he's not in my books. So. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, who's Ronald Reagan? Hell, I've <laughs> Ronald Reagan. Said, that would be great. Richard Branson is the answer. Oh so no, well, there you go. So you, I, de-
0: I have a story about Richard Branson. Sometime we'll talk about. <laughs> I'm very. Is it a, is it a short story? It's a short story. I was hired to speak to Virgin Cosmetics. I'm about to be introduced to go on stage. Uh, five thousand women at Prince Albert Hall in London. They come over and say, "Hey, Larry, we got a guy coming on stage. He'll just take a couple of minutes, and then you'll go ahead and come out." I said, "Fine." And it was Richard Branson. <laughs> he walks out, speaks to the five thousand women. Then they came over and said, "Hey, hey, Richard's got to leave." We got a speaker from the United States. Here he is. And they
1: booed me. <laughs> <laughs> is, is that the only time that you've actually uh, met or was right after Richard Branson?
0: Yeah, I met him and that was my only
1: time. Oh, geez. <laughs> Unbelievable. I
0: didn't want to talk to him after that. He screwed up my whole day. <laughs> internal
1: hatred took Richard Branson. Obviously, you don't know that. Wow. Love it. Great story. All right. Final one. This is in your book. So how much would you like to wager?
0: If it's in my book, let me see, that book was a couple of years ago if it came right out of that one. Okay, I'll uh,
1: take uh, business, uh, big business for 200 200 bucks. you know the answer, and only $200 risk. All right, when this company was denying a business loan, they needed to foot a gas bell and stay afloat. The founder took $5,000 to Las Vegas and bet it on the blackjack table to raise cash. This was in my book? Yes, it was. Really, I'm gonna take this 200 bucks now. If, if, if this is great, I'm, I'm literally. You might have around. a hell of a time collecting it, but if really,
0: that was in my book.
1: <laughs> yes,
0: <clears throat> I did
1: not tell that story in my book. <laughs> I'm gonna find the page as we're talking. Uh, <laughs> it is. I said, don't know. You said the people that grow a pair, the Grow a Pair Hall of Fame, Fred Smith with FedEx.
0: Oh yeah, 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 the FedEx. Yeah, you're right.
1: And and he made I didn't tell that story, but he was in my grow up here hall of fame. You're right. And he had yeah, he had five thousand dollars, he went to to, uh, blackjack in Vegas and made twenty seven thousand dollars to cover the twenty four thousand dollar bill. And now the company has 146,000 employees and 26.5 billion in revenue. Do you think he grew Okay, a pair.
0: it was in my book, but that story wasn't in my book. But okay.
1: Yes, yes, that's the. <clears> all right, I'll give it to you. I, I think you're down 200, but pretty good on business Jeopardy, the first and probably only ever Grow a Pair edition. Larry, grid work. <laughs> all right, we're gonna move quickly with a few more fun ones. All right, Shark Tank. If you were gonna be on Shark Tank, which shark would you be most like? Uh, Cuban. Yep. Yeah. Just because just he's a matter of fact?
0: Yeah. He's a little more direct and he's quick to say, this will work, this won't work. And he doesn't pull
1: any punches about it. I like that. That's kind of a little bit like me, I would say. Love it. Okay. Now the profit. So if, you were, if the profit chooses you to be a one-time host, which uh, that would be some good TV right there, you have to go in and invest your own money to fix a business. What type of business would it be?
0: Uh, a service-based uh, business, any service-based business. I like blue-collar service-based businesses. Okay,
1: I love it. You, you Can you give any specific one that would intrigue you?
0: You know, I would go with uh, something. I've done a lot of work here in the last year with chimney sweep companies, And uh, I like those and landscaping companies. I like those kind of businesses, truly blue collar businesses. And I think those have the most opportunity. I really do. I think a blue collar service based business has a lot of
1: opportunity. You know what? I I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, When I had to get a landscaping job out in my backyard, I called 10 companies and seven of them never called me back. Two yeah. wouldn't meet in the within a week, and only one one hungry landscaper actually showed up. The they're great at what they do from their from uh, you know landscaping but they're not good in a business and customer service. Have you noticed that as well?
0: <clears throat> Absolutely. And that's why uh, I, I find also they're very, very hungry to learn. And I think they're easy to turn around. They're a fast turnaround. You see immediately re, uh, immediate results once you get them thinking more uh, uh, from the customer's point of view. I, I think that uh,
1: that would be the easiest, fastest turnaround that you could possibly invest your money in. Outstanding. All right. We'll keep moving with the show segment. This is making a, murderer. What is the biggest change a person can make to kill it in their industry?
0: Go from a a mindset of uh, what's in it for me and to what can I do for them. It really becomes, uh, it comes down to being a a value-based proposition every single day and getting your employees to think that way.
1: Outstanding. All right, Big Brother now this is it, it, you mentioned Jim Rohn earlier but is there a mentor or mentor or someone that's really affected you and helped you and, and do they? is there someone still helping you learn and get better
0: well I would go back to Rohn, Rohn's the guy who taught me uh, my style of speaking even though our speaking style is very different but he's taught me my style of speaking and that he always spoke about principles and I speak about principles I'm not big on tactics and and strategies, I'm a principle-based guy. I think if you get your principles right, strategies and tactics can follow. So I would go with Roan as my mentor. As far as who I still learn from, I, you know, I very, very fortunate that I surround myself with five close buddies. You had Joe Callaway on. You're going to have some more of my buddies on. Mm-hmm. And when you have a a tight circle of people who operate at and above you, your level, and, and you're really open with them and have that trust factor, you can learn a lot from those
1: folks. You know, I, I love that. And, and Joe talks so much about the group that you guys have. And I'm excited. Yeah. To, I'm going to speak with all of them in the next month. My question for you, you have someone that's coming up. They, they're an entrepreneur entrepreneur or their aspiring business leader, how do they develop that group?
0: Well, I can tell you right now that, uh, you, you know, and it's an old stat that's been thrown around for years, but it's true that your income's on uh, the average of the five people closest to you in your life. So first of all, it tells you you need richer friends. Uh, <laughs> but I, <and> that's true. <laughs> know. And when I say that, people go, well, you mean I need to dump my friends? Yeah, probably you do. They're keeping you broke. Uh, but I think that comes from a willingness. I think you develop uh, that sort of a circle from a willingness to, uh, to share, a willingness to be coachable and a willingness to admit you don't have all the answers. And that's tough for people, especially tough for people who are successful. But you talk and the nice about thing about me and my five friends, we're all really successful except we're all very willing to still learn from
1: each other. Oh yeah, but I guess my question is you talk about providing value. You know, how do you reach out because again, if you're trying to reach out to people that are better than you that are that are the best in their field. How do you go to them to actually show you're providing value? Like I'm curious with you and how did you guys all come together to start, you know, about, you know, coming together with a mastermind group? How does that how does it start? How does someone from I don't want to say the bottom but raise themselves up and still provide value to that person that's higher up.
0: I just coached somebody on this recently. I like this question because I get a lot of calls and a lot of emails saying, I'd just like to
1: pick your brain. What's that for me? Exactly.
0: And uh, I'd like to buy you coffee. I can buy my own coffee. What do you want? And so what I would tell people if you if you really are searching out somebody to work with you or mentor you or to get it uh, At a higher level with somebody that you'd really like to talk to know that you have to offer them something Mm -hmm. They have so many people wanting to plug their their outlets into them and just drain them of all their energy give something back You know, I I don't do it anymore, so I'd say there's a charge for that. But even when somebody, uh, I might talk to them. I talked to a guy the other day, 15 minutes in an airport, and uh, he recognized me, and we spoke for a couple of minutes, and it was great. And he asked me a couple of questions. He was very humble about the whole thing. And when I got home a week later, he sent me a nice bottle of bourbon. You know, that's a nice thing that he didn't need to do, but will I take that guy's call again? Absolutely, I would take his call again. Simply because it wasn't all take, 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 take. It was there was some give back in there. Mm -hmm. So I would also tell people, figure out exactly what you want to know. Don't just pick my brain, say, listen, there's one thing I need to know about my business to make me better. Here it is. How how would you handle
1: this? Mm -hmm. Be specific. I like it. And you just mentioned, you know, you talked about listening and understanding and like knowing what you like. And you said a lot, shut up and listen. So, I mean, on on that segment, I mean, what are you listening to right now? What's intriguing you?
0: Well, what's uh, the nice thing about being an old guy who's read a whole lot of stuff (laughs) is I still every single day wake up and I see what's current in the news. And what I'm looking at every single day are the businesses of all sizes, what they're doing differently than the norm Mm -hmm. and and I try to look at how that might apply to my business I think technology is fascinating right now I think leveraging has become uh, truly one of the keys to wealth and and I see businesses doing this and if we as individuals and as entrepreneurs and in my businesses and yours can and and yours can figure out how to leverage uh, Other people's markets and other people's knowledge, I think that's when we will all uh,
1: win. And
0: that's what I try to figure out every day.
1: No, that's great, Larry. All right, we're getting to the end, so I want to go really fast through these questions um, because I I, I got some good ones and then finish with a game. So let's go with this one right now. Excuses, excuses, excuses. Let me speak. What's the most common excuse that you're hearing right now that's holding people back?
0: I don't have the time.
1: (laughs) Yep. All right. well, I'm already
0: so busy. Mm. Yeah. Got as much time as I do, just as much time as you do. I get more stuff done by noon than most people do in a week.
1: Yeah, outstanding. Time and being la- yeah. lazy and busy all together. Okay, uh, tool time. Uh-huh. What tool are you using in your business to be successful that might be a little unique, you know, not typical email or whatever. Is there a tool that's helping you?
0: You know, the one that I like right now is an app called uh, Unroll Me. <laughs> Have you ever seen it? No, what does it do? No, it's this great app called Unroll Me, and it goes through your email every single day and says, you've never gotten an email from this guy, do you want to unsubscribe? And then it saves me all this time. Oh, wow. So it'll stack up all these emails all these bogus sites and people and crap you get added to. And then if I decide to roll it up, I get one email a week that says, this is what you rolled up this week, things that you care about. But you don't need to see every day. Yeah. So when I've got time, I say this is what I've rolled up, and I look at all their stuff. That's the things I care about, but I don't need to clutter up my inbox
1: with it all the time. Uh, I like it. That's brilliant, love it. Okay, all-in investment. So if you can invest all-in on one company right now, what would it be?
0: Well, I always we like to invest in me. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and you go all-in? Yeah, I go all-in. I I. Put my money on me before I put it on anybody else.
1: Smart. Good. Now, business cemetery. So we've had a lot of businesses die recently. Obviously, Toys R Us, and we had all the ones the last few years, Circuit City, Kmart, Sears. What business do you think will be joining the business cemetery next?
0: Let me let me, uh, call it an industry. Okay. I think the coaching industry is
1: headed for uh, the cemetery. Coaching like business coaching?
0: Yep. Yeah. Why? Life coaching, business coaching, I think the coaching industry is ready for a major overhaul. I think soon that we're going to see through uh, a lot of the charlatans in the business right now and realize that the dominate, destroy, and crush mentality isn't going to work and it's going to convert over to the value and serve well.
1: That's So So the, the best coaches will obviously rise up. Yeah, but it's going to get weeded out. Mm-hmm. Excellent. That's great. All right. Quickly on your rules, your 10 rules of business, Larry, I was blown away by these. A few, I just need a quick little explanation. I think our our listeners will love this. Number seven, you said focus on accomplishment, not on activity. My question to you is, isn't it activities that bring accomplishments?
0: i tell you what though, people, uh, one of the biggest uh, things that went wrong in business, it was the to-do list. And uh, we don't need more to-do lists. I've got plenty to do without writing it on a list. I need a to-get-done list. What are the things that must get done? And if every single person focused on, I've got to get these three things done, I don't care if anything else gets done, these three things have to get done. If they put, put all of their energy into, and focus on accomplishing those three things, and then if there's time left over, They go do the less important things. So it comes down to prioritization and
1: focusing on getting things finished, not just worked on. Outstanding. All right. You can do either this one. You can do one word or quotable. That's what she said. Or he said. So one word is what do you think is the most important word in business or what's one quote that you live by?
0: I, I'm going to do both. The all most right. important word is work.
1: The quote that I live by, what is easy to do is just as easy not to do. Love it. Outstanding. I, I wanna, you don't even need to elaborate. I keep the simplicity of that. That's great. All right, Larry, we're going to finish with a few things here. I've been asking you all these brutal questions, crazy segments, so I'm going to flip the script right now for one minute. You are two questions. You can, you're the host now of Business Done Differently, so you can ask me anything
0: i tell you what, what makes you um, decide to dress the way you do? I get that question I a lot. Our buddy Callaway says that I wear costumes, I know you wear costumes, why?
1: Yeah, well I think probably a very similar reason you do. For me, what I realized, what I was doing at our ballpark was putting on a show. And I first got a giant black tuxedo with tails like P.T. Barnum. And in the summers it was absolutely brutal. So I found a bright yellow one that actually fit the colors of our teams. So for me, the idea of putting on a show, you need to just dress the part. And what's happened, it's weird, because you say be yourself and the motivational gurus say that, but what's happened is it actually embodied me. So I believe in the suit, it's amplifying myself. I'm loud, I'm energetic, I'm crazy, I say what's on my mind, I I dance in the middle of the concession stands, I have fun, I mean, that's what I'm about. So the yellow, bright yellow tuxedo, it fits me. And here's the crazy thing, Larry, I don't wear anything else anymore. Like during during days at work, I'm in a yellow tuxedo every day with my top hat. So I don't have to worry about what to put on anymore. I'm just a crazy guy in a yellow tuxedo and I'm guessing for you, you probably keep the same outfit most of the time as well, right? Okay.
0: Cowboy shirts and wild boots. For me, I have 125 pairs of cowboy boots and 400 cowboy shirts. So yeah, I get
1: that. Yeah, and you're being who you are. And the reality is I believe in standing out. I believe everyone in business and in life, even if they're introverts, they need to stand out to be successful. And that's do things better. So I believe if I'm standing out doing what I'm doing, that only helps as well. So uh, that was a good question. Any, anything else there? Flip the script or we'll move on. Let's move on. All right, beautiful. Final, we'll finish here. We are going to go to the Survivor Challenge. Larry, you've done tremendous so far. I'm going to ask Survivor-like questions. And if you don't get them right, the interview is over right there and then. It's done. (laughs) I knew you would love this. Um, But the reality is the questions are actually completely subjective and they're about favorites. so uh, So I'll just judge if I like them or not. Favorite book. It's called Work for a Reason. Work for a Reason. Who's it by? No, the title of it
0: is It's Called Work for a Reason. <laughs> Outstanding. Who's it by?
1: Me. It's yours?
0: That. Yeah. So that's that was written. That, that's the best book that I've written, and it is absolutely a, a business book that is to the point, talks about serving well, hiring well, how to be a great employer, a great employee. Okay. I think that's the best. And you know it sounds real self-serving to say that, but I, I like that book that much.
1: Hey, that, that's good. It's not one of your most recent ones. I got the most, the most recent. It's called Work for Reason. Love it. Can't say yourself here, Larry. All right, or the show will be over. Favorite author? Augmentino. Ah, greatest. Uh, beautiful. All right. Uh, favorite gift you've ever received?
0: I got a. Um a picture last year of my three grandsons sitting side-by-side side waiting at me, and it's just my pride and joy.
1: Yeah, see, there's the other side of Larry right there. There it's coming out. Uh, favorite restaurant? It's uh, B&B
0: in Las Vegas. It's a Batali Bastioni restaurant. makes the best, the very best uh, black
1: truffle uh, ravioli just Ever. Black truffle and beef cheeks. I'm, Gotta impre- have I'm impressed because you've got some great restaurants over in the Old Scottsdale as well. Yeah, we do.
0: But that's that's my favorite re- restaurant
1: right now. Okay. Favorite moment of your day?
0: Uh, mornings with a big old cup of black coffee and a cigar.
1: <laughs> Love it. All right. Favorite speaker? And I, I think this is a challenge because you mentioned a lot of them were just saying the same motivational stuff over and over again. Who's a speaker you really enjoy and like?
0: Ron would have been number one for me, but uh, my favorite current speaker right now, um, boy, that's a challenge because I I listen to a bunch of them. I don't have any that really stand out as number one for me, but I would say overall throughout my years of listening to speakers, I'm going to go back and go with Ron.
1: Outstanding. And the most important question to finish this segment, your favorite color. The green. (laughs) wrong again you know Larry Joe was the only one to get it right out of our first five or six guests I'm supposed
0: to say yellow?
1: <laughs> that would go against That would go against everything you believe in. No, no. I'm just kidding. I always <laughs> yeah, that hope, sounded like I'd be kissing your ass and you ought to know better. <laughs> I know. There's no chance that's happening. If you did, I would have been blown away. Uh, but Joe did a great job of that. So he's always going to be a reoccurring guest now for uh, uh, Business Done Differently. Outstanding. You passed the Survivor Challenge. Now down, Larry, to the final four. Very simple here. Four meaningful questions, I believe, in standing out. So... What's something you've done differently in your life to stand out?
0: I tell you, I became the contrarian of the self-help movement. And uh, that's why I'm trademarked Pitbull of personal development and
1: trademarked the world's only irritational speaker. That's what I did to stand out. And you haven't stopped irritating, which is great. This next question, the final four, what, what makes someone stand out in business and in life?
0: Being memorable makes you uh, stand out in business and in life. You know, Raquel Welch says, never go any place where they won't remember you were there. That's a great quote.
1: That's outstanding, I love that. Final two, best advice you've ever received.
0: Oh, be nice. (laughs) That was from my mom. My mom says, Larry, you need to
1: be nice. (laughs) Don't you think sometimes you go against your mom's advice?
0: I have a different definition maybe now of nice. I think being incredibly truthful is nice. But yeah, I still, I can go too far. I know
1: that. No, I like that. When you say pit bull and the irritational speaker and then say be nice, I think it's a great balance of the two. But I love that. There's a way of being truthful, being honest, and helping people is definitely being nice. Final question. How do you want to be remembered?
0: I would better rather be remembered as a great dad and granddad. I don't really much care whether people remember me as a great speaker or author or any of those things. The legacy that we create is the legacy of our children and what gets passed down to them, uh, and that's where my focus is.
1: Wow. Larry, I, I can't tell you. You went in an unbelievable different direction than I expected. I expected us just yelling back and forth and really making this business done differently. Um, but you nailed it. You, you won with flying colors. And uh, I can't tell you. You provided amazing value. And I really want to thank you for being a part of the show.
0: I have a good time. You're right. Uh, Callaway didn't lie to me. He said this would be the most fun podcast I ever did, and I'll say it's it's true. You made it a great uh, great time for me. I
1: appreciate no, it. No, thank you. Is there anything, any way anybody can provide value for you or learn more about you or connect with you?
0: You know, people can go to LarryWingott.com. If you want to have some fun, follow me on Facebook, Larry Wingate Fan Page. I mix it up there, and uh just follow me there. You'll have a good time, I promise.
1: And we'll put more in the show notes. But you've got, uh, you know, Facebook Lives. you got a podcast, Grow A Pair right now, which uh, is outstanding. Um, but now, great. I mean, Larry, thanks a lot for this, really.
0: I appreciate it. Really, I appreciate you me.
1: Today, we learned even more about how to think differently. Sometimes in life, professional is boring and weird wins. So thanks for listening. And remember, the world needs more people being different. So whatever's normal, do the exact opposite. Be different, stand out, have fun, and enjoy the show. Until next time, stop standing still, start standing out.